And I wanted to connect that. And I want you to know that we are talking about what is Jesus doing now. This is our Acts series. And that's part of what this fit in the Acts series because this is what Jesus was doing now. And remember, Acts starts with, in my former book, Theophilus, I talked about what Jesus began to do and to teach, as in the Gospel of Luke, i.e., now I'm going to talk about what Jesus continued to do and to teach. And at the end of the book, Luke doesn't say, and that's all he did. In fact, the book sounds like it's not done, because he's like, yep, it, Jesus keeps doing and teaching stuff now. So our question as we go to the book of Luke, and Luke is an example itself of what Jesus was doing in that teaching. So what is Jesus doing now? So let's, let's pray. Lord, we want to come to see what you are doing among us. Among us. In our time, in our place. Give us insight and hope, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, gentlemen, this is a football. True? All right, I see Felix saying, yes, this is a football. So, last time we talked about Acts 14, and I talked about uh, Vince Lombardi saying, gentlemen, this is a football. So, uh, so uh, yeah, which... Which is it? Both of them. That's really confusing. Is this a football or is this a football? This is a soccer ball or is it a football? Okay, we've got a little debate going on here. All right, Felix says this is definitely a football. He says this is an American football. But this is a football. Yeah, that's Felix nodding his head there. Okay, now we can, or somebody, you know, this is a soccer ball, and this is a football. So we have some, you know, differences of definition, and uh, yes, this is a football. Sometimes, when we get a little beyond our boundaries, we start to realize that things, other people think about things a little differently than do, we do, right? So let, let me ask you a question. What's the difference between the World Series, and the World Cup. Well, it's easy as baseball, and the World Cup is football. Or soccer, to some people. Okay, right, all right. What other difference is there? The World Series is played by America and Canada. Correct? With a few players that we've added to play our game in America and Canada. So it's the North American series that we claim is the World Series. Now the World Cup, on the other hand, the whole world plays. True? Even America is starting to learn how to play and at least get into the World Cup. We haven't won it or anything, but we've that's the good thing about having a game that only Americans know how to play, is Americans always win. Turns out, it's always an American team that wins the World Series. It's never an American team that wins the World Cup, so far. True? Because we're still learning 
to play football. True? Okay. So I've got some questions for you. How do we respond to differences? One of the things that happens is often disagreements, right? Is it a soccer ball or a football? Is it a football or an American football? Is it which is football? What are the rules? Of course, there's always discussions about what are the rules, right? And uh, of course, when I was growing up, there was no football team, well, no soccer team in Cloquet, Minnesota. We were great at hockey. And we had a football team, an American football team, of course. Now, my kids, when they went to high school in Kenya, there was no American football team. There were some people who liked to watch American football at their high school, but there was no American. And, and they like watching, sort of. But the first time, I remember, I remember we got an old tape of a Green Bay Packers Vikings, and uh, Isaac was watching. He said, wow, they just run into each other. He hadn't seen much American football yet. But he, he likes it now, and he, uh, but he played football because um, there was no American football at his high school. So what do we do with our differences? Oh, well, maybe we don't have any differences. At least we don't have any disagreements, right? Well, Bernie says, uh, has anybody noticed any disagreements? Yeah? Okay, I want you to think to yourself, about what are some disagreements that you've noticed in the last year, five years or something? COVID shots. Oh, I wasn't gonna talk about that, but um, is this good or bad? I, I don't know. And more importantly, when do I wear it? Never and always, and uh, if you're the one who really needs to be protected, you'll be offended if I wear it. And I don't know what, I, don't, I honestly don't know what to do or where to do it. And we've had our disagreements about a lot of things, right? Um, and anything else? Think to yourself, what other disagreements have we had? And you, some of you don't have to speak out loud. Now, of course, these aren't disagreements we would have in the church, right? Because in church, we all love each other, we all get along, we have no disagreements. True? Well, the best way to have no disagreements is to go to a church, find a church where there's no differences. Not there, not here. This is not the place where there's no differences. In fact, we have more differences of more different differences than most churches. True? And so we're likely to have more disagreements than most churches. And that's hard, honestly, because we love each other. We don't like to disagree with each other. We want to be like the Acts Church, where they... We're in fellowship with the weather. They were in one accord and they had such unity. Remember Acts 2? Yeah. And you remember Acts 6? Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of division and difference. Once they, once they started getting more difference, there was more disagreement. Once they started to have Greek speaking and 
he was speaking. Then they got more difference. Now, Acts 14, we've already got even more difference. Because remember what happened? Cornelius came in. He was a god. Well, first of all, there was that the Samaritans. And then there was that eunuch, that African eunuch, who said, well, why can't I be baptized? And Peter's like, no, it was Philip, right? He's like, oh, uh, yeah, you can be baptized. Then Cornelius. Peter had to be dragged by the Holy Spirit to get there, and then the Holy Spirit broke out, and they're speaking in tongues, and he's like, this is the same thing. And he went and baptized them. And he went back, and people said, what? You, he didn't say, they didn't say you baptized them. They said, you ate with them? You slept at their house? You are unclean. We're not sure if we should let you in the house. You've been with Gentiles. They had difficult. Now it's gotten worse. Because Antioch, they mixed it all up. They went to Gentiles who weren't even a little bit in the synagogue. And, and then Paul, on his trip with Barnabas, they got all kinds of people. And John Mark took off back to Jerusalem, maybe because he didn't like where this was headed with all these Gentiles coming in. So how do we respond to differences and disagreements? I am really excited about our text today because they had knock-down, drag-out disagreements. And God did some good stuff with that. Amazing, really, really, really good stuff with their deep disagreements. So, um, back to last time, Acts 14, the end of Acts 14, we tell them why church? We had to start with why are we not just individual disciples, but why do we have to be in a church anyway? It's a lot easier to not disagree with people if you just worship God on your own. Or maybe with your family. The best way to avoid it, just don't come to church. You won't meet any people who disagree with you. Right? And you can go slam your, slam your door in your room if you really, do really meet anybody who disagrees with you. And, and if, you're, if, you don't, if you're not single, you might even meet more people. I, I know some of you singles go and slam your room, slam your door, even though you're single, right? Anyway, some of us <laughs> Some of us, uh, yeah, the kids are all home now. And it's, yeah, anyway, so why church? Evil is a team, a kingdom, so the response has to be God's kingdom must respond as a team. And it's always been God's plan. Remember Genesis 1 to 11, evil and injustice and sin went from the family to society to international, inter-ethnic, inter-different languages, intercultural. So since it got that bad... God introduced Abraham, and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation, a great kingdom, and through you, all people are going to be blessed. But it was making a nation, not just, I'm going to save you, Abraham. I'm going to save your family. I'm going to make you and all those nations, which you just talked about in Genesis 10 and 11, are going to be blessed through you. So in Acts, here we are. Pentecost, fantastic. Everybody's speaking different languages, but that's only the beginning. This is just the sign that it's going to all. The nations. And now we're seeing it spread out. Acts 15 is the key thing. So, everything significant is done by teams. By churches. The church does a whole lot in our world. All over the world. You can't build God's kingdom alone. 
It's a team sport. One of Vince Lombardi's secrets was that he told, they, they let him be coach and general manager, and he told his scouts, get the best players. I don't care what color they are. I don't care what a lot of other things about them. Just get the best players. That's part of why his teams were better. Because everybody else was, when he got to the Green Bay Packers, they had one black player. You might notice on this team, there's a whole lot more black players. Turns out black people know how to play American football even. You know? You might have noticed that. But what if we don't recruit people to play our game? See, that's what we really want, right? We want, we want people who look differently than us, but are willing to play our game. They look different, but they think just like us. Right? Isn't that what we really, really want when we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion? We're really hoping to get somebody who can make us look like we're accepting, but they, won't, they can need to play by our rules. Okay, nobody's that honest. I think you've all seen it. Well, maybe you haven't all seen it. I think most of the people who are not majority culture have seen it. Amen? Okay. Um, but what if we're switching and we're not playing football? What if we have to play their game? How do we respond to differences and disagreements? So we got some good news. Okay, here's some possible responses. We can divide. So since the book of Acts, the church has divided. The Eastern churches from the Orthodox church, the Orthodox and the Roman Catholic church. There were four seats, and now the Orthodox are like, how come you only got one pope? There was four popes. And uh, then the Protestant churches, and of course we Protestants, we are so good at dividing since that was how we got started, and, and Pentecostals were even better at dividing. So, so we're, dividing is a great strategy. And right now, in our country and in, the, in churches, we're dividing even more and resorting and going to the churches that think the most like us. We can withdraw. 20 to 30% of people have not come back to church after COVID. Yeah. It's more comfortable at home. And those people, now that I saw their real side on Facebook, I'm not so sure about them. It's kind of easier to withdraw. And when you have a disagreement, the best response is, well, that's not what I heard. Anybody ever heard? Well, that's not what I heard. <laughs> On any side, right? I'll do my own research. I'm just going to have my own opinion. I, let's not get into it. We want to have unity. So rather than actually try to figure out what the truth about something is, we're just going to say, well, we agree to disagree. That's okay, maybe on some things. And I've learned I don't have to have an opinion about everything. And I certainly don't have to state my opinion about everything. Or I'm learning, I'm sorry. Um, I should have been taught my PhD. That means you know one thing. You had a PhD in one thing. You don't know much about stuff. So humility to say I don't know. The other thing I learned, I just heard Russell Moore the other day, he said once somebody states their pub opinion publicly, they'll never change it. Oh, that explains some things. <laughs> even if new stuff comes out, even if things change, people are never going to change their opinion about whatever it is. So um, there's also the this is what God's people have always done. 
This is the way we've always done it. What are you trying to change things for? This is tradition. This is the way it should be. And then there's the, since you're newer, let me teach you more fully. So us older people like to say that to younger people. Well, let me explain to you how, how, how you do this. Okay, I, I've, I've seen some things. And of course, younger people are like, yeah. Okay, boomer. They're, uh, they're not necessarily impressed that we know everything. Okay, because they've seen we don't know everything. And so how do we deal with intergenerational differences, intercultural differences? These ways aren't so great. True? Easy. But the conclusion isn't great. Easier to start with. Am I, am, am I right? How about anybody have some other responses they've seen that didn't work so well? They've tried that didn't work so well? Anybody want to admit that? Okay, just think to yourself, what's if something you've done about difference or disagreement that didn't work out so well? You don't have to tell us about it. I could tell you a lot of things, but I tell you too much already. So anyway, you could ask my wife if you want to know how I've responded to disagreement in unhelpful ways. Hopefully he's not keeping a record of wrongs, but I'm sure there's some she can't forget. So, there are some good responses. So let's see what they did in Acts 15. Paul shows us, or Luke shows us what they did. In, so let's go to Acts 15. Paul, well, Paul and Barnabas, so we were just, remember our story. Paul and Barnabas had been sent out by the church in Acts, the church in Antioch. They had gone through the southern part of Galatia and, and, and Cyprus, and they had plant, they'd made disciples. Then they come back and strengthen these disciples into churches. And then they come back to Antioch and reported all the great things, and everybody rejoiced that God had opened the door of salvation to the Gentiles. Now it says, while well, Paul and Barnabas were at Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived from Jerusalem and began to teach the believers. So we come from the Jerusalem church where the gospel began, where David put the temple. We are from the Jerusalem church. We are from the true apostles. And we see that you need the full gospel. Paul's introduced you to the gospel, but we want to tell you some more of the gospel. The good news about Jesus that you can become a true Israelite. You can become a true follower of Yahweh. Now, Paul got his stuff from the original apostles, but, but he's kind of watered it down a bit. And so we want to give you the rest of the story. Unless you're circumcised, as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. In fact, it didn't even start with the law of Moses. It started with Abraham, the person God called originally. Genesis 17, he said, Abraham, you must be circumcised and your house. Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing vehemently. They didn't withdraw. But it wasn't pretty. They were arguing vehemently. Paul tells us a little more in his 
Galatians. So Galatians happens right here, right at this point in the book. And Paul is writing back to the churches in Galatia. These churches he just planted and strengthened and encouraged who are having these wonderful missionaries follow him from the Jerusalem church, sent from James, the brother of Jesus, and giving the fuller gospel. And Paul writes back in Galatians and says something. So I'd love for you to read both Acts 15 and all of the book of Galatians. Because Paul is responding to this. Um, so this, Paul is trying to explain that actually, I didn't get my good news, my gospel, from Jerusalem. I got it from God. And when I went to Jerusalem, they didn't disagree with me. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God has given to me. And they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles. Well, they continued their work with the Jews. They only suggested that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. In fact, he had brought gifts from the Antioch church to the Jerusalem church for the poor, right? Now it gets a little dicier. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. Woo! Paul, this is like Jesus number one disciple you're going up against. But Paul opposes him to his face. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers, yeah, who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when from friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Oh, boy. They were all eaten together until... And even Peter came and was like, oh, this is cool. Let's eat together. And then James said, and some, some of these people from friends of James came, and they said, oh, no, 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 no. That's, you could be impure. And Peter's like, oh, sorry, I'm in. And he, he goes over here, and then pretty soon Barnabas is over here, and pretty soon we get two churches. Oh, they're one church, but they don't eat together. Could that even happen here, that we'd have one church, but we don't actually eat together with those people? We're, we're friends, we say hi, but we don't actually eat together or do anything together. So... They're divided by this hypocrisy. And Paul calls out Peter to his face. Why does Paul so bold? Because this matters. This is everything. He says this. <clears throat> when I saw that you were, they were not following the truth of the good news about Jesus, the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right by, with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by obeying the law. And we have believed, we have trusted in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God. Justified, righteous, just. How do we get to be 
just and find justice. It's through our faith in Christ. Right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we've obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. This is Paul calling out Peter. Now, if you were in that church, or those churches in Galatia, Antioch, what would you do? Woo! What do we do? Peter, uh, Jesus' brother James, sent these people, and now Peter is not agreeing with Paul. He's going with James, and now Paul and Peter are having fisticuffs in the sanctuary, and what are we supposed to do? This is tough stuff, isn't it? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad to see that the church in the first century was not so, so lovely all the time? Doesn't that give you hope? When you look at our church and the churches around us in America and in the world, and we're like, or church history, you want to check church history? Oh, it's not all pretty. It wasn't all pretty in Acts. It wasn't all pretty in the New Testament. Hallelujah. Because it gives us an example to see, well, what do we do when it gets not pretty? When even the leaders can't agree with each other. Praise God. And praise God because the Holy Spirit wasn't like, oh no, what do I do? Maybe the Holy Spirit was even smiling. Huh, look at that. You ever smile when your kids fight? Well, little brother's learning to stand up for himself. That's okay. I think the Holy Spirit might have been smiling because the Holy Spirit knew that disagreement is not the end of the story. Holy Spirit knew that this is what they needed to realize. And this crucible made it come out clear. No one is made right with God. A person is only made right with God by trust in Jesus Christ. Of course, they learned that back there, and we've never had a problem with it since, right? Have you ever yourself or known anybody who had a kind of a Jesus and? You need to trust Jesus, and you need to, you know, go to church every time the doors are open. You need to trust Jesus, and you need to, um, you know, don't drink or smoke or chew or grow with girls that do. Or don't color your hair. Thank you, Pearlie. Don't braid your hair if you're in East Africa. We got lots of rules about what women should wear, by the way. You ever notice that? It's not a whole lot of rules about what men should wear. But women, oh yeah, we got lots of rules about what they need to wear. Jesus and. Jesus and this kind of opinion. You need to be conservative, or you need to be progressive, or you need to be uh, something, right? Woke or not woke or something. You need to be open or closed or whatever labels we like to throw around, right? It can be Jesus and anything. And all of us slip into that for ourselves and for other people. Yes, Jesus saved me by grace. And so why am I feeling so condemned? 
Why do I get upset that I don't? Is grace enough? This is not easy for us to remember. Because we want to have a part. Right? I want to have something that I get to get credit for. Not all on him. Okay, so pursue the truth. Hold fast. Trusting Jesus and his work alone saves us. Not Jesus and anything. Think to yourself, what is a Jesus and that you have noticed? You need to trust Jesus and you need to. If you're really going to be saved, there are so many answers to that. So many answers to that. I've had so many myself. It's so easy to slip into that. So, so let's go back to Acts 15. So what do they do? First thing is they discuss together with those who you disagree with. It's one thing to discuss together. Can you believe those people? I mean, they were coming over. I'm sure there was lots of those discussions. These people come from James Smith and all the thing up up here. What do these Jerusalem people think they're doing? And in Jerusalem, there's going to, hey, Paul's going out and making all these people and just letting them in. Do Lots of discussing with people who agree with you, right? We all like to do that, don't we? Talk with people who agree with me about whatever it is. But they discuss together with those you disagree with. So finally, the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. So these people supposedly came from Jerusalem. They did. Let's go find out what's going on in Jerusalem. Wouldn't it have been easy to say, okay, fine. We're going to have the Antioch church. They can have their Jerusalem church. But no, they went 15 days walk. They couldn't send the whole church. The church together decided to send Paul and Barnabas, accompanied by some local believers, to talk to the apostles and elders about this question in Jerusalem. The church sent the delegates to Jerusalem. They stopped along the way in Phoenicia and Samaria to visit the believers, the disciples. They told them, much to everyone's joy, that the Gentiles, too, were being converted. This is the new thing that's been happening. Praise God. The whole church and all the leaders get together. When they arrived in Jerusalem, these people sent from the whole church in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas were welcomed by the whole church. Isn't that cool? including the apostles and elders, all the leaders. They reported everything God had done through them. But then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted, the Gentile converts must be circumcised and required to follow the law of Moses. And they had scripture in 2,000 years to back them up. Right? So the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. They met together at the meeting after a long discussion. It doesn't even say how many days this discussion went, but it was a long discussion. So the whole church and all the leaders get together to talk about something. They don't just say, okay, well, that's your opinion, whatever you, you know, you can, they don't divide. They get together. And this is the question they ask. What's God doing? 
What is God doing? The meeting, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them as follows. Brothers, you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe. God knows people's hearts, and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. I even missed some of the he's and God's. Notice how many times he says, God did, God did, God did, God did, God did this. Look what God's doing. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? We believe that we are all saved the same way, us and them, no distinction, by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Peter had done something publicly, and then he changed his mind. He said, Paul, you're right. I'm wrong. And he went back to Jerusalem, where everybody was suspicious of this appointment, and he said, no, Paul's right. There's only one way to be saved. You've got to hold firm when it comes to this core of a truth. In Romans, Paul makes it clear that we're all Jews and Gentiles and every other kind of tribe. Sinners, all saved by grace, all, 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 us and them. And then in chapter 12, he gets to the practical stuff about how you deal with that. This is so core, people. You cannot give this up. It can't be Jesus and. We believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. Everyone listened quietly as Barnabas and Paul told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. So one of the first things they ask is, what is God doing? What do we see God doing? What have we known God to be doing? Okay? And um, so, then they go to what has God said in the Bible? And James goes to the Bible and says, God is going to choose a people for himself. So, last week we heard that anything true is not new and anything new is not true. Well, this is new, but Peter says, actually, this was prophesied back there. It's not really new, Paul. God was saying it back in the scripture. It's a new way to see it, new way God's doing something, but it's the same stuff. So, we need to pursue truth and love in practical circumstances. I can't do all of this scripture today because it's so deep, so rich. Acts 15 is the key turning point in Acts. This is the last time we see Peter. This is the last time we see uh, that this is key because from here, the implications of what they decide just explodes into the rest of the world. So we're not going to finish Acts 15 today, all right? But I want you to know, come on up with the, with the worship team. I want you to know we can pursue truth and love. So today I was emphasizing the pursuing truth part. What's really interesting is Paul and the church pursue truth and they are so firm, like a pillar, like a stone. 
when it, like a rock when it comes to truth. And then it gets to fellowshipping together and they get super flexible. And it can be confusing. Paul says, we don't circumcise to get saved. And then he goes and he says, Timothy, I think it'd be good if you got circumcised. What? So we're going to see that coming up. But I want you to... <laughs> so when it comes to many, many of the issues that we face, and I'm not going to start naming them or you'll get distracted with those issues. We pursue truth. And we pursue love. And most of us get boxed in. And we say, well, those people are pursuing love. Don't they care about truth? Or those people are so upset. Don't they care about love? Have you noticed that? Anybody? We tend to get really focused on one or the other. And I could, there's actually a thing out there called the and campaign. And they're trying to say, you know, we can do and. We can pursue truth and love. We can speak truth in love. We can live truth and love. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm thankful that deep disagreements and vehement arguments helped your church to understand truth. They saw truth in a new way. So Lord, I pray that in this time, this place, we would see your truth in a new way, a deeper way. We would live your truth in a deeper way. And we would love in a deeper way. Because we know that you are love and you are truth. Would you help us to be able to do that, not just on our own, but together as a community and across cultures and across ethnic lines and across generations and across nations? Lord, your church is being so divided in our day. Whether it's Orthodox or United Methodist or Pentecostal or whoever it is, Lord, we are so divided. But you are working. Your Holy Spirit is at work. Would you help us to trust your Holy Spirit to bring us into deeper truth? Give us confidence to disagree with each other. And meet together. And listen well to each other. What do you see God doing? Thank you. That your Spirit is big enough. To work in our disagreements. To lead us into truth. Deeper understanding of truth. And much greater love. Amen. Benediction, let's just sing that again. We were already hearing the benediction, but we'll do it again. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll add my voice to it. So let's uh, receive this benediction, this ancient benediction.
So in the end of this book, we find that they came to peace, to Shalom. In the end of this story, we haven't gotten there yet. But may you find Shalom. And may you see Jesus smile. Your Father's smile, the Spirit's smile. Turn His face toward you. It's, the, it's the, that look of, I'm so delighted to see you. I'm so glad. May you be able to picture and feel that smile, that blessing, that shalom. And we have a little extra time in the narthex today for you to give that to each other. That smile, that blessing, that peace. And I'd encourage you to give it to somebody who you think you might disagree with or have a difference with. And maybe ask him to coffee or lunch or dinner. And uh, maybe see if you can listen and see what God's doing in, uh, in them, some insights they have. Turns out the Jerusalem church learned a lot from these new churches and the way the gospel was working. I'm so grateful for each of you, for the things I'm learning from you, the things we're learning from each other. And um, so go with God's blessing and God's peace. One more time. Lord bless you.